After a great weekend of fights, the UFC is headed to Chicago for 238, where both male and female flyweight champions will be headlining. Also, there's a chance we'll see a cowboy tame the Mexican boogeyman. And, of course, we'll talk a little bit about MMA news. Also, Anthony Joshua lost. Welcome to the Hook J Podcast. Who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that? It's all said and done. I know one thing that I can do. I can fight. I can give it and I can take it. You should have left me over on that other game that I'm from, that more ruthless game where we bounce heads off the canvas and drill them into the floor. You should have left me where I was. The show starts now. How's it going, guys, and welcome to the Hook J Podcast. We had an exciting weekend uh, with UFC Fight Night 153. That was the Alexander Gustafsson Anthony Smith headline fight. That was in Stockholm, Sweden. Yes, Stockholm. It was actually a pretty decent card. Did it you was watch a the whole thing? heavyweight night? Did like you, did you watch the whole thing? I caught the main card. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't was, able to catch the other one. It wasn't bad. I liked it. I watched the the whole thing. Uh, so we had a couple uh, interesting fights, a couple good finishes. Uh, two, re- three, three people retired after that fight or after that card. That I was, mean, this that was is like the weekend to retire if you were an MMA fighter. Four people that I've counted so far. Yeah, it was crazy this weekend. Yeah. So if you haven't, or if you you didn't pay attention and you're watching the or come here for the highlights, uh, Alexander Gustafson lost against Anthony Smith. It was what fourth round. Yeah, it was late. Yeah, it was a fourth round submission. Yeah. Was it an arm choke. triangle? It looked like it was a rear naked rear choke. Naked choke? I, don't, I don't know what it was, but I know he choked him out. He looked like he was out cold. Yeah, it was a rear naked. There you go. Uh, either way, afterwards, Gustin uh, left his uh, gloves in the octagon. That was his retire. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. It's over, guys. I think that's what his, his quote said. Or it's, it's finally over, something like that. Yeah, I think you said he was hanging it up, and then in like a post-fight interview, he was saying kind of what we've been talking about for a while. Is like he didn't look like he had it in him anymore. Yeah, and he he confirmed it. So hey, we're one for one so far. And then uh, Jimmy Manawal, he lost uh, brutally uh, in the first round. Got head kicked into oblivion. Yes, he got crow copped. Good lord, Hard. man, he was. I don't know what he. He did a good maneuver to get away from it, but he dropped his arms, and it was a perfect setup. One, two, three, and then he threw. It looked like he was going for a, a mid-level kick, and Mandawa dropped his arms to try to catch it across the chest, and he went high with it instead. Yeah. Boom, DC and John Jones all over again. Afterwards, uh, he didn't retire right away. It was a couple of days after we found out he's announced his retirement. He's like, I'm done. Uh, it was been a great ride. Well, he's been knocked out what three, four times in a row now. Yeah, it's it's been pretty consistent as of late. So I imagine he's like, I should probably find another avenue. Those were the uh, two massive highlights from there. There was, there was one yeah, more. there was one other knockout early on in the prelims, and the Leonardo Santos when he knocked out Stevie Ray. Oh man, that was crazy. After the knockout. He left the ring and went straight to the locker room. Like the guy knocked him out? He knocked him out, knocked out Stevie Ray. He got excited. 
and he ran over to the cage and as soon as they let open the door to come in to help him out he ran out the cage and ran off to the locker room or, you know he no oh, he just looks like he's celebrating yeah it's like fuck you guys yeah he was just celebrating he was just excited and it's crazy like, like do you remember when uh forrest griffin got knocked out by anderson silva yeah and then yeah. afterwards they went to like check out him and as soon as he was up he was gone yep anything else out of that uh the previous fight week you want to talk about no nah, the stockholm car was pretty good i don't remember anything really crazy happened over in bellator though uh nothing really interesting happened in bellator i don't think they had a card I mean, um, like, news-wise or... Uh, the only other thing I can think of that happened over the weekend was Anthony Joshua losing to what Stephen A. Smith calls an amateur, which is completely wrong. Yeah. Then again, it's Stephen A. Smith. And the only thing he has any clue about is himself. You know, it just Honestly, seems like... he's just a shock jock, and he pulls in people who hate him to watch him, so... Yeah. It like, is what I'm, it is. Like, I understand why ESPN has him on, right? he brings in people that are like, this dude is talking shit. Like, I don't like him. And, you know, there's, it's the, it's the re, it gives the reaction, right? right? I understand why the ESPN has him there. But I don't understand why they keep him there. Because at a certain point, it's, it turns people off. Right? Like, I can't tell you how many times I'll watch, like, SportsCenter. And he'll come on, and I'm like, all right, time to go to the next one. And just turn over, like, Fox Sports. Yeah, let me hit mute on this and go do something else for a little bit yeah but this felt like it was uh the retirees weekend man um gustafson retired manuel retired then uh king mo retired too king mo did retire yeah i felt like there was somebody else that we missed yeah it was uh nick hine and frank camacho frank ko'd him in the second round yeah that makes sense i don't know man it kind of feels like all the uh the European block guys over there, they got together and made a pact. All right, guys, if we get knocked out, we retire. Yep, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> before they before they announced the card, they all cut their hand and, like, shook hands. And, like, <laughs> Blood, Blood Brothers. Brothers. Yeah. It also felt like Gustafson was trying to get out of it, but they were all standing around the cage looking at him. He's like, but it wasn't a knockout. It was a tap out. I don't know if Gustafson's going to stay out. He may just be using some time. Until the person that says they're retired is out of the drug testing pool, I do not believe a retirement announcement. The only other news I can really think about is the Joshua fight. Unless Do you want to go into detail about that? Because I know we kind of grazed over it. Uh, We can talk about it. So did you watch it? I watched the final round. That's really the only thing you need to watch <laughs> is when Joshua actually lost. Yeah. Uh, for you guys who don't know, at one point during the fight, Josh was doing fairly well. He uh, knocked down, uh, was it Ruiz? Andy yeah, Ruiz? Andy Ruiz. Knocked him down. Uh, Ruiz got back up and proceeded to beat him like a Cherokee drum for her, the rest of the fight to the point where Joshua was very tired. And eventually, in MMA, it would be called a TKO. I'm not sure what they call it in boxing. It's technically a knockout, right? Ref did stop it. Yeah, TKO. So Joshua just got severely tired. You can see it in his face, in the way he was breathing. Exhausted. And uh, Ruiz, you know, still had a lot of energy, a lot of gas, and essentially just beat him. Like, I know we talked about uh, Stephen A. Smith when he said all the stuff he said, and I thought it was funny that a lot of people were sort of on his side. They talked a bunch of shit about Ruiz before the fight, and basically called him an amateur on Twitter. If you follow it on Twitter right after the fight, everybody on Twitter 
and Instagram and everything, where it's just like, oh, you got beat by a fat man, you got beat by a dude who's out of shape. I think it's funny that every time there's a big upset, it's generally against somebody who's out of shape compared to the world champ, right? It happened with Buster Douglas, right, which is probably the biggest upset in boxing ever, right? It happened with Tyson Fury and Klitschko, because Tyson Fury, that was back when he wasn't ripped, you know? Right. And no one thought Klitschko was going to lose that belt. That was, that was when Klitschko had the belt for 10 years, and you got this one, right? History repeats itself consistently in the heavyweight division. Yeah. People got to stop knocking the dad bot or the big guy bot. Butterbean was one hell of a hitter. Butterbean was... If you want to make that point. Interesting. Obviously, Andy Ruiz hits like a truck. Yeah. He knocked Joshua down. One thing a lot of people are not taking into consideration is we've never really seen Anthony Joshua get tested. He's been in some fights where he's kind of pushed it a little bit. In all the fights that I've seen with Anthony Joshua, I've never thought he was really all that great, to be honest with you. I'm not saying he's not talented. I just didn't think he... If you put him in there with Wilder or Fury, and for years he's been ducking them, and it's obvious, okay? Everybody knows he's been ducking those two guys. It's very clear coming out of this fight that Andy Ruiz would be more of a challenge for either Wilder or Fury than Anthony Joshua would have given either one of those guys, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel that Joshua... You know, even though he had the belt, I, I've never thought he was the the best heavyweight. I thought he, he was a good rounded heavyweight. I think he's an above average fighter. Yeah, I think he, he's a good rounded heavyweight. He's got a good jab. He moves around fairly good for a heavyweight. Um, he was really good in his last fight against Klitschko. Uh, he did get knocked down at, at one point, I believe, or tested at least. But he did come back to win. Uh, I just, I, I think he wasn't anything super special, which everybody looks forward to like in fury or wilder they're like there's something special about those two we which we get to see the rematch early next year which will be super exciting and uh supposedly we get to see a rematch of joshua and ruiz in november i think they're looking at right yeah, now the contractual rematch clauses they yeah, build into those they things. always do it in boxing um maybe if he wins we'll get to see the winner of wilder fury 2 versus him which is something everybody wants to see as you said, Joshua has been ducking the top guys for the longest time, and then he gets defeated by what most people would say isn't a top guy. Most people just wrote this dude off, like, oh, it's just this one dude. And one. I don't know why you would write him off. Yeah, exactly. In his professional career, and then a hundred and three and five. Yeah, in his amateur, like guys. It's because he's not. What a are name. y'all doing? It's because he's not a household name. Everybody right. knows Joshua. Yeah, no, I get it. It's just crazy, man. Fight game, right? It's boxing. Boxing is weird. Fight games like that, no matter what sport. It's just, it's it's just interesting to note that everybody in the media really wrote him off. They didn't do any coverage on the guy, really. It was all about Joshua and whether he was ready. They did all their interviews, interviews with him because he's the star of the sport, or of that fight, at least. I, I bet you nobody can name anybody that fought on that undercard right here's my question though if you're gonna look at why joshua lost why did he lose was it ruiz's power was ruiz outworking him or was joshua fatigued because of something he wasn't doing correctly outside of the ring was he 
Did he stay up late? Did he party all fucking weekend? Well, it, did, it's, did he do something out of the routine because he wasn't taking Ruiz seriously? Or did he take it seriously and he just got outclassed? And something happened. It's no question that towards the end of the fight, Joshua was tired, right? You can see it in his face. You can see why he uh, he got hit. But a lot of people are going to go, oh, it's because he didn't prepare right. But honestly, I think after Joshua knocked down Ruiz, right, he gets up and he starts throwing volumes at a certain speed, and he keeps that speed and he keeps that volumes. He never really slows down afterwards. It's kind of like uh, Nick and Nate Diaz when they finally start picking up steam. He's just kind of, they're not throwing it hard, but they're throwing them at a consistent speed. And I think it that's just what it keeps was. Coming. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think Ruiz just as soon as he found his groove. And he knew Joshua was slowing down. He's just like, I'm just going to slowly step on the gas. Because after he knocked him down the second time, and he was like, oh, it's, it's go time now. Like, I can finish this. You can tell. He's like, it's it's full gas. And he got him in the corner and was just going for it. I mean, I'm not a huge boxing fan, but I do watch the big fights when they come on. I'm definitely going to watch the... Triple G, Canelo 3, if that ever happens, and some of the other big ones that are guaranteed to happen. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know if I really want to watch any Anthony Joshua fights. Uh, Unless he's going to go up against Wilder or Fury, I really don't care. It's not that he's not good. It's not that he's not talented. It's none of that. It's just because he's got a, a name of ducking the best talent for so long, nobody's interested in you anymore. Yeah. And because you did it, and now that you've lost to Andy Ruiz... Your name's stock value dropped. It did. It dropped so much. And I I really think it's it's a shame because he is a very talented fighter, but I man, I really can't vouch for him now. It's like, dude, I wasn't really interested in you because you were ducking these guys and now I'm just not interested at all. Yeah. In watching your fight. I'm sorry. Because I do like, you know, boxing, kickboxing, all this stuff. I love combat, but <sighs> I don't want to watch this guy. I think a lot of people were all sort of on the same side. And I think everybody's like, all right, now that that's out of the way, you get the third wheel out of the way. Unless he gets that belt back, no one, no one's really going to look forward to it. With all the boxing stuff out of the way, let's let's dive into UFC 238 because that one is this weekend. So for UFC 238, we are going to do our picks, and we're going to release them out at the end of the week. Uh, we're going to try to do this for every big pay per view, every big fight card. It's going to be something that we're going to try to do that and keep track of it. And uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll put our belt back on the line we used to have. I don't know how that's going to work. But, uh, yeah, we figured it would be a fun thing to do just to keep track. And you can, as a fan, track maybe bet against us. Yeah, we're going to do our best to keep track of the bets. And, you know, if we're over and under, if we're doing 50% of them right or bad. Because, man, if we're bad at picking, we might not do this anymore. But we're we're definitely going to try to do some picks. Yeah. That'll be coming out later this weekend. So, But on this one, that. we're just going to talk about the upcoming fights. Right. The, uh, big, the, the big highlights, or what we think are going to be the highlights of the card. Interesting part about this card is it's nothing but good fights. From the early prelims to the main event, I'm watching this thing. So with that being said, the fact that we have a podcast coming out on the end of the week with our picks, we're not going to get too in detail about all the fights. We're just going to go after the big ones. Mainly the top three. Cowboy versus Tony. You got The Bullet versus Jessica I. You got Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Morales. 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 I always mess up his name. 
This whole card is stacked, actually. I mean, from the early prelims all the way up to the main event. And there's really only like one or two fights that I'll probably get up to go take a, a bathroom break in somewhere. But we're going to start out with just those three. The Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone fight should be the one that really sets up the main event and co-main event. Because, man, Cerrone right now is on fire. Yeah. And T. Ferg is coming off of kind of a layoff. Not really a layoff, but he just took some time off to get... Get his head straight and get his health back in order. But and he fought Pettis last, right? Yep. Him and Pettis had a really nice blood show. Yeah, uh, uh, he cut open Pettis. That's how they stopped. No, oh, yeah. he uh, Pettis broke his his hand. Is what it was. That's yeah. why they stopped the fight. His his corner did, but it was a nice bloody fight. T. Ferg is always always entertaining to watch. I mean, he throws some pretty dynamic stuff. He's vicious with elbows, and if he's on his back on the ground, it's lethal. See, the interesting part about this fight going into it is that Tony's been tagged a few times in his career, so we know he's he can get hit, and he will get hit at some point in time. The question is now, can he get hit from Cowboy and sustain, like, still be able to move around? Because Pettis hit him. Pettis hit him pretty damn hard, and it rocked him. Tony was able to recover and come back to win the fight. So my question is can Tony handle the range of Cerrone? Can Cerrone handle the pressure Tony puts on him? And if it goes to the ground, uh, how is that going to work out? Because Cowboy's They're both really good on the ground. Cowboy's good on the ground. He's and it's very underrated. In look that what department. he did to Perry recently. Yeah, Tony. You know he's amazing on the ground. But how is it going to work out? This is this is a a very complex puzzle we're looking at. I've been watching. Cowboy fights since uh, WEC, Strike Force, back when he was just, you know, Cowboy Cerrone. Like, he, he didn't have a name, you know, back when he was fighting like 13 times a year. Yeah. Now he's down to like 14. Anyway, I but, did like, get worried in his last fight, though, with Al Iaquina because he looked a little stiff in the shoulders and he was taking more jabs than he probably should have. The, so if Tony capitalizes on that, we might have a different situation. You know, the one thing I've noticed the entire time I have been watching Cowboy, when he gets comfortable in there, like, usually it takes a couple of seconds, but when he gets comfortable, when he's like, okay, he's in this weird flow state, then you can't really stop him. However, if you compromise Cowboy in in any way, say it'd be, like, emotional, like when he fought Nate, and Nate really got in his head, or if you kind of throw him off his groove when he's, like, trying to push forward and you're keeping him back, that if you throw him off just a little bit, it can disrupt that flow state. You can't discount him at any point. Like it's like he snaps in and out of it at certain points. If he if he finds just an area of being comfortable, then it's over. Yeah, the second guy was on comfortable. The, it's a the, whole different game. The different side of the coin. You got Tony Ferguson, who seems to thrive in chaos, because when he's getting you know when it looks like he's getting his ass handed to him, he comes back with something. He gets hit and rocked with Pettis, and he just rolls out of it. And it literally rolls. Yeah. And you're like, how? Like, no other person would do that in order to recover. Ferguson's always dynamic, and he's is he's got some lethal elbows too, man. And his stand-up game is really good, and he comes from wild angles. So I'm really looking forward to this fight. I think Cowboy's got a lot on his plate. I think Tony's got a lot on his plate in each other. And I really think this is one of the best fights they've set up this year for the fans. And I really think both of those guys like that fight, and that's why they took it. Next up, we'll have the co-main event, 
featuring Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica I. That should be a good one. While I don't quite understand why Jessica got the opportunity, maybe the competitors above her. So um, here's the interesting thing about that. Jessica I, prior to being in the UFC, right, she was a flyweight. And she was very dominant as a flyweight. But when she got in the UFC, they didn't have the flyweight division. They only had bantamweight, right? Right. So she was forced to move up. If I'm correct, most of her losses, because she's 14 and 6, came at bantamweight, right? Prior to that, she was very dominant at flyweight. So what I'm thinking is that since Shevchenko just got the belt, right, she beat the taco tender for it, no problem. They're putting her against Jessica I because they, they're like, you've been here for a while, you're an established name, right? Why not give you a shot? I think that's what it is. Yeah, I just whenever I looked at the roster and who's all in those top ten, I was like, well, I don't know. There seemed to be like there was other people that probably should have had that shot first. I'm not going to discredit Jessica I. She is a very talented fighter. She does deserve an opportunity. I think anybody in the top five, top ten deserves a shot if they've made any type of recent push. I'm really interested in this fight for how this could potentially turn out because Shevchenko is so dominant. Oh, yeah. She's she's a volume striker. She hits. She's savage. She is so savage. The way she just... I, I'll say it a million times on this podcast, probably. 250 strikes to two. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, man. It's, there's, it's really hard to not see that this woman is in it to win it 100% of the time. Here's the interesting part about Jessica I. Because, like, I, I've watch the I think it was embedded or the countdowns there is one of the two and Jessica I literally I think it might have been last camp or this one she moved to Vegas the reason she moved to Vegas so she can use the PI center right but when she was there she decided well I'm in the fight capital of the world I'm gonna get the best fight coaches I can find one of them was Gray Maynard who's a very good wrestling coach and if you noticed on the countdown all she did was wrestle so I'm thinking she's not only up to her wrestling game, but she was a fairly decent wrestler beforehand, but I'm thinking that's what she's going to try to do. And if she can get in the range, if she can get past Shevchenko's range, then she's going to try to wrestle her. And if that's the case, because she, if, if she decided to step up her wrestling game, then it's a possibility that's what we might be seeing going into that fight is uh, Jessica I trying to take down Shevchenko when she can and then being successful, I guarantee you what would probably happen on the takedown is they go for a tie-up, right? Like a maybe just a clinch. And you won't see a single leg. You'll see her try to like reap the leg, like sweep it from the, the clinch and take her down that way. So that's being very popular. And as of late, a lot of people don't seem to think about that because they're, no, they're used to, to trying to defend the like the the shoots the takedowns like a single or a double they don't really go for that 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 reap of the leg there that sweep mm-hmm. uh, it's being more and more used like Zabit uses it Sahudo uses it uh, even DC uses it every now and then hey, well, works works right so I'm I'm pretty sure that's what she's gonna try to do is just take her down and then be on top of her and try to win it from there but you got to get past you know the thousand different shots that she's gonna throw at you. I'm really looking forward to that fight, and because it's a co-main event featuring the women's flyweight division, there's a lot of other female fights on the card, which are very notable. We'll talk about in our other podcast, but getting over that one, we have the main event, 
which is Henry Cejudo versus Marlon. It's going to be a fairly decent fight, I think, going into it. Henry Cejudo's course is going up in weight. Marlon being the number one contender at Bantamweight. Uh, between the two, I can't really decide what's going to happen. Uh, you know, it's very hard to decide between, you know, a guy going up in weight and being the greatest fight to ever have the belt and the guy who's number one who could possibly just dominate most of the fighters. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? Opinion on that remark. And I know you set it up like that on purpose. Um, no, I don't think he is the greatest flyweight to ever have the belt, but I do think he is a real competitor, especially at the 135 division. I think he's a true 145-er, Henry is, and I think Henry, um, Marlon, in this case, is going to put up a really good fight. His striking is just as fast and powerful, if not faster, than Henry himself. And with our Friday video coming out, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter. At Hook JP and at Hook Justin. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to the Hook J Podcast. Podcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. See you next episode. Sometimes you've got to do what's right for you and not do what's right for everybody else.